When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. We're going to jump right into it right now because we are with the race winner, Christopher Bell, special guest. How's it going, Christopher? I'm doing really, really good, Jeff. <laughs> really, really good. Jordan, uh, we, we're sharing a mic, so you, you're laughing. can't be picked up. So here, you can laugh into the microphone. You're going to skip Martinsville now? Just put your uh, feet up next week? No, I'm not going to skip it. it w- it's nice that we can, and it doesn't affect the outcome. That's nice, but uh, I love that track. So I'm excited about going there. So speaking of tracks you may have not loved coming oh, in. Oh, I still today. hate Miami. <laughs> I still hate it. I'm like, we were sitting on pit road last week at Vegas and I'm like, Oh, you know what? Like, how do you, how do you feel about Martinsville? And you're like, I'm going to be honest. Like I'm not really feeling too good about it. Or did I say Martinsville? Right. I meant, I meant Miami. Yeah. And you know, when you're running most of today, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, he said he wasn't feeling too good about it and his car doesn't seem very good. And then, you know, just all this stuff happens. We run out to all these wrecks and I look up and I'm like, what, how, how, how are you back in this race? Um, pretty unbelievable turnaround. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was just stage two. Stage two was the only thing that went bad. Uh, whenever I, I had a really good practice, I felt comfortable and balanced, and my lap times were slow, but I felt like I could drive the car harder and our pace was going to pick up. Uh, so I felt good about it. I qualified bad, but I qualified good last year and it was a terrible race. So I'm like, I, I didn't affect me at all. And then uh, whenever we started the race, the first stage went green, and I, I, I felt good, I felt competitive. And I, I moved forward from my starting position into the top 10. There were a bunch of guys that were right in front of me that were, uh, you know, falling back to me at times. So I was thinking, okay, well, this we're going to have a good, good Miami finally. And then it just went off the rails in stage <laughs> two. And uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. It seems like I just have a, a, a small window of how I have to have the car to be successful here. You know, the truck series, I made the final four here twice and had a terrible race the first time and then a really good race the second time. And then uh, Xfinity Series, never got it right, struggled. Uh, and then I come back here in the 95 car and I'm pretty sure I got my first ever cup top 10 here. Uh, and then it, it's just so hit or miss. And then from that point, I've had terrible races in the 20. So I'm glad that, that I can finally pay this place back though. <laughs> you mentioned stage two, it didn't go well. You finished, I think 22nd. On the frustration scale, how high was it at that point? Because oh, it, it was, felt high from listening to your radio. It was it was at it was the highest it's probably ever been. Uh, you know, we knew that this is a huge race for us, and we we can't run twenty second in a stage. And whenever everyone, it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing, but they of course are running top five, top ten, getting points, and uh, we were nowhere near there. So you know what's crazy is like I, I feel like you've been very consistent about saying, look, if you have a good car, absolutely, would, and this is the this is. You're preaching to the choir, buddy. Because we're have all f- gonna we're all gonna put the clutch label on you, but it's essentially like you're you're a realist about it, and you say, look, if I have a good car, I look good, I run good. If I have a bad car, I don't, you know. That is, I, I can't stress that enough, man. Like, so, and that's a difference between dirt track racing and pavement racing. Like, I feel like in dirt track racing, the driver can make up for stuff. The driver can. I, I don't know what the percentage of driver car, but I, I've always joked that like NASCAR racing or pavement racing in general is like 90 car, 10 driver and dirt track may be like 60 car, 40 driver car still very, very important, but the driver percentage is a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I, I say that time and time again, like the, you, the driver in our sport maximizes its, his equipment. And that, that's all you can do. Like, if, if your car can only run a 3450, then you need to go out there and run a 3450. And if Kyle Busch gets in it and goes a 3420, then you're not maximizing your car. So hopefully he gets in and goes the same lap time as me, right? But, uh, yeah, I mean, and today it showed that. I, I went from being competitive to a non-factor to one of the best cars at the end. 
but you still look like Mr. Clutch. So well, I appreciate <laughs> you just that. Have t-shirts with that, even if it's not, you know, even if there's not facts to back that up, I will still just call you that. Thank you. So how is it? I mean, there is something to be said, though. You win the Roval last year, must-win situation. You win Martinsville, must-win situation. Neither of those tracks were going in. You were considered a, a, a favorite, right? Today, people are talking about you, but you said you didn't qualify well. But you do come through in these moments, though. So it has to be something you're doing right. Yeah, I must, I must need to just hate the track or something. Because <laughs> I hated Martinsville for sure. And uh, Charlotte Road Course was take it or leave it. But I don't know. It, it is... It's nice to finally leave Miami with uh, some some good memories and a positive vibe. I, I have not left this place with a positive vibe since 2017 in my Truck Series Championship. And even that one, I won the Truck Series Championship in, on Friday, and then I was racing for an owner's championship on Saturday in the Xfinity car, and we blew up. So wow. that even took the positive vibe away. So each week on our podcast, we guess um, was it a the, was it a good race pull percentage to try to see who can outdo each other. We are currently tied uh, four to four for the playoffs. Would you like to participate in our in our little contest here? Uh, sure. Okay, Jordan, do you want to go first on your good race? I'm gonna go ninety. A ninety percent yes. Yeah, ninety percent. Yeah. It was crap. the last forty laps were really crazy. You had Hamlin have his issue. You had Truex have his issue. You had Larson hit the barrier. Like, everything got chaotic. Wow, that was much higher than what I was going to say. It, it, people are going to remember the, the middle part of this, the middle stage, too, was not the most exciting, let's say. But the beginning was really, really good. The first 30, 40 laps, the front guys were racing really hard, side by side, two, three wide. And then the last lap, you guys, with Bla you and Blaney going at it, like, people are going to remember that. That's what people are going to focus on. So, yeah, I'm going to say 90, and I feel confident, confident about that. Wow. You, you can go next. Uh, I mean... It sounds like it was a pretty good race, so I guess I'm going to have to stay up there on the percentage. Uh, I'll go slightly under it, maybe. Like, do you guys have have like a? We can prices right each other. You can you can go okay. I'll go one whatever. I'll go like to. I'll go 82. Okay, I'm going to go 90.1 because I want to box him in, and it's Interesting. It's, it's playoff time, so I'm going to get ruthless about it and just hope that it's in the 90s and I and I boxed him in there. Sorry, Jordan. I hope everybody votes low now. <laughs> Listen to Christopher, vote 82, so that means vote no, and then Jeff, you know, loses, so we're good. But this was a good race. I mean, this was what you want to see at Homestead. Yeah, that's cool. It, uh, I mean, this is a great racetrack. And it is. It, yeah, it's, it's a great racetrack, and, and I'm glad we got a good race out of it. Cool. Well, thank you for putting on a great show, and appreciate you joining us here on the Teardown. Thank you, guys. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Jordan, we are now back inside from Pitt Road. We were, we were outside, and it was a little bit noisy, so we just figured, you know what, let's come in a more uh, sterile environment, is that what they call it, yeah. um, for our audio recording. And you just heard our, our guest is there with our guest, Christopher Bell. So let's explain why we guessed what we did. So you, you went 90% surprised, Christopher. Why did you go 90% on this race? I think at the end of the day, those last what, 40 laps or so, that's what people are going to remember. They're going to remember Larson running into the tire barriers or the, the sand barriers. They're going to remember Hamlin having his problem, Truex having his problem, the, the playoff being thrown into a blender. And then great racing between William Byron, between Ryan Blaney, between Christopher Bell. And what that is, and this is Homestead is representative of what NASCAR is, is at its best on intermediate tracks, and that's what it was over those last 40 laps or so. Then I think if you remember the beginning of the race, and I honestly don't think many people will because I think the end is going to get all of the attention, those first 30 laps were really terrific. Like the, once that green flag dropped, you had the top six or seven cars kind of running in a pack, you know, jockeying everything. Yeah, stage two wasn't the best, but at the end of the day, I don't, no one's going to remember it. So I, I think it was beyond even the, the 40 laps, like you said. I mean, to me, the first stage was great. Like you had yeah. um, different leaders. You had lead changes on track. Um, you had a little bit of strategy with mm -hmm. Hamlin staying out longer. Oh, how's this going to work? So even when you had Larson get the lead at the end of stage one and start to drive away a little bit, it was like, oh, well, 
how's Hamlin's strategy going to work out? Mm -hmm. And so it still gave you something to watch. I watched stages one and two up in the press box and I think as good as I, I, it feels like TV does a good job. You know, when, once I got back down and, you know, and you're showing the race, but it was, it's like nothing compared to what you see up there mm -hmm. because you were looking all over the track yeah, and there's everything. They are, they are fanned out in three different lanes and they're, they're all trying different things because this track gives you that option. Yeah. And you can see that some cars are getting slower and you're like, Oh, that guy's losing pace. Like Larson, he didn't manage his pace at the end of stage two. And he had a huge lead and he coughed it up and played. Well, traffic didn't help either. Yeah. But like he ended up getting passed for second also. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, guys were, you know, they, they were, you, you, you could do anything you want really. I mean, essentially. And, and I just think, man, that's so good. It, it's so compelling. Yes. When Larson was stinking up the show for a little bit and you're like, well, it's going to be a Larson runaway. That's not as compelling, but the bottom line is that that's not, I mean, that's not the track. That's that's one car is hit on something is and a driver who's really good at running the wall. I just think this is this is the kind of race that you, it it gives you everything you want. And then on top of it, as if you know, you're not gonna have just you know, we talk all year about all these wild card races and you know, the wild card, this is the wild card. This is the craziest race of the playoffs so far, essentially, because yeah. this is supposed to be sort of the straight up race. And, you know, it it was how can you keep you know, your head spinning after all this? Like I still haven't, it's a lot to process. We haven't had a chance to really digest this. No, this is going to be a live therapy session as we kind of break this down and figure this out. I mean, it was, it was a lot to do because up until, and I don't know what lap Larson hit the, the, the sand barrier, but up until then I would say this playoff has been very straightforward. I won't say it's dull or boring, but it was just kind of like people have been saying it doesn't have juice. It doesn't have juice. That's the best way to describe it. Doesn't have juice. And that moment, though, it literally flipped because all of a sudden it had juice. I mean, Larson, you know, Larson's issue today really in the grand scheme of things didn't have any impact because he's already locked in. But if he wins today and he was in contention to do that, he's going to make somebody they're going to make everyone else's life tougher at Martinsville. So that does have an impact there. And then you throw Hamlin and then you throw Truex. And those are two of the three two of the four championship favorites with Larson and Byron, the other two. Now those two of the four championship contenders are on the wrong side of the cut line. And more than likely, let's presume that Byron gets in because he's got 30 to the good. One of those guys is going home, maybe both of them. And that today is the big story. So I was, uh, I actually tried tweeting this. It did not go through. When I was walking back from the press conference, from the uh, media center, or the press box up upstairs down, I took this picture. I'll show the YouTube feed, and it was the 12, 5, 11, 24. They were running one, two, three, four. Mm -hmm. This is right before Larson hit the sand. <laughs> By the time I walked upstairs to tweet this, yeah, Larson had just gone into the sand barrels, and I was going to tweet. I think this could be your. This looks like your championship four right here, running one, two, three, four. Yeah, 12, 5, 11, 24. Then, like you said, things suddenly change because now look, let's talk about the Larson thing and, and just start there. He, he obviously, you know, looking back on it, he even said watching after he watched the replay that NBC showed him during his interview, he's like, well, you know, it, it looks like I was going a little, you know, a lot faster there than I intended, but he, he thought, okay, I'm going to try to maximize everything I can yeah. here because whoever wins this race off pit road, he Larson had concluded Blaney has a good enough car. They've done a good enough job today that, if he beats me off pit road right here and he gets out in clean air again, I, I don't, I'm not going to win. So my chance is right here to get as close as I possibly can hope my team has a great pit stop, which they have all year and then gets me out front. Um, he obviously overcooked it in a significant way. I mean, there's, um, you know, I think TV showed the, the two speeds and Blaney was right about it. Pit road speed, essentially a little bit less, but he was Larson being cautious. Was, Larson was way fast. Yeah coming in and I don't, I, I'm not so sure that he wouldn't have gotten a speeding penalty anyway at that, at that moment. But you know, he's trying to catch up and, and make as much ground as he could. He said he was, he said he had his control of his car the whole time. Um, but it just, you know, obviously that. Did he have control when he hit the barriers? <laughs> well, he was trying to, I, I think to me, he's, he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to run into the back of Blaney and ruin yeah. Blaney's day. So my alternative is to go this way. Um, and he did 
hit Blaney a little bit, and he felt you could tell it. At his, at he, the were, he was remorseful, I and mean, he felt genuinely bad. He felt really he, bad yeah, for like Blaney. He, he said, have, "I hope he wins." All yeah, this stuff. He didn't want because Blaney's got a great run, and Blaney. Can we talk about Blaney for a second too? Like, what a great th- this team all year long. Intermediate tracks, Ford, Penske, not good. Yeah, they won at Charlotte. Blah blah blah. They they were great today. They qualified well. They practiced well. They were running in the top five. And he, if this thing stays green, his car was so good on long green flag runs, he probably wins this race. And it didn't work out that way. But he went from being on the wrong side of the cut line to now plus 10 going to one of his best tracks. Like, it was a masterful day for this 12 team today. You, you just kept, you know, with the, with the Ford situation this year, with Penske not running that well, he sort of just kept waiting for Blaney to drop off like kind of like busher did yeah. honestly yeah like have a have a bad run take themselves out and the fact that he was in contention today i mean what a stage i mean really just a great car great performance um i mean you know dale jr maybe his championship pick could be right after all he, he won't waver off it <laughs> um and again you know I'm, if blaney makes it to phoenix the way we've talked about it, the way Penske's run there, the way Blaney's run there. Yes, he has. Finished um, second in the last two Phoenix races there. Could have probably won there last fall. You could make a very good argument that yeah. he could he could do really well. Now, I think you could make an, a good argument for Larson obviously being in there. Um, Byron, you know, at Phoenix. I mean, he, they, those guys in the spring. Um, so you, you, you feel pretty confident that Byron's going to make it. And then whoever joins, whether it's, um, you know, I, I don't know if Blaney's going to get it or if Hamlin can pop back in there or Truex. I don't feel too good about Truex at this point. Um, Oof. or even Reddick, who's ahead of both of them. Yeah. I mean, Reddick's the one that's only 10 back and the other uh, Hamlin and Truex are 17 back. Not saying they can't point their way back in, but they have a, a tougher task, but whoever, whoever the, is joining them at Phoenix, I mean, it's going to be, uh, there's going to be something there. Like I, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive race. But Blaney is certainly, if he makes it, he's going to be somebody that you definitely have to consider. He's legit. I mean, it's he's going to have to get through Martinsville. And the good news for him is Martinsville is one of his best tracks. He's never won there before, but he's won stages there. He's led a lot of laps. He's usually really competitive there. He has to feel fairly confident that he can go there and run top ten and run points. But that said. Hamlin Martinsville or Hamlin Hamlin and Truex are both very very good there they're multi-time winners there either of those guys winning next Sunday would surprise nobody at all uh, the thing that jumped out to me as well as you, as you kind of run through this well as we talked all year about the five team right they've got speed in the race car this this and this and what has been the bugaboo about that team this year mistakes mistakes overdriving it. overdriving trying to do too much and what happened yep. today another potential win at least a top three finish goes by the wayside. And again, doesn't matter in the grand scheme for them. That's fine. But why? Why does this keep happening? That's the question. And especially in a race like this where you just you don't need to do that. And this race was kind of playing out in your favor and you were going to be in the mix. Like there was no need for that at that moment. Look, I think it's um I think it's a good thing when you see Larson make mistakes. Here's why. If Larson we we think Larson Cliff Daniels would disagree, but okay. <laughs> no, not not for them. It's not a good thing for them. It's a good thing for everybody else because if Larson gets to the point where we all think like he may be the most talented driver of his generation, right? But he has a tendency to make mistakes. If he's so talented and he never makes mistakes and he just throttles everyone and it becomes boring after a while, like let's say he just wins and wins and wins and wins and gets, it gets to this point where it's just like. Oh my gosh, like this guy, you know, it's a max thing with, with with F1. Like, oh, it's just like, especially here at Homestead, you're like, man, uh, oh well. It was, it's a great track, but blah, blah, blah. But the fact that he makes mistakes, first of all, it tells you how hard it is. It shows everybody, these guys are right up to the line. This is extremely difficult sport. And even the best to do it oversteps that sometimes. But second of all, it mixes it up because what are we sitting here talking about? If Larson, dominates stage two and then basically passes Blaney wins all leads all of stage three wins by 15 seconds or whatever. We're like, Oh, Larson. Yeah. Yep. Reaffirming himself as maybe the championship favorite at this point. And we're, we're like, well, what is it? What else is there to really talk about from this race? That mistake changed a lot of stuff that opened a lot of doors to crazy things happening today. Um, and 
you know, now we now we have some stuff to talk about. It didn't it didn't affect his season, no, as you mentioned. I, but. I agree with you. Like from the journalist's perspective and from the well, camp, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The, it, it's it's better to have the juicy storylines and have all this unfold. But if Larson is this generational talent and is supposed to be the next Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, is going to be this great NASCAR driver. Well, Jimmy and Jeff didn't, they made mistakes. Everybody's going to make those, right? But they didn't repeatedly make mistakes and take themselves out of races. They didn't do that. So if Larson is going to ascend to the mantle that we think he's capable of doing, at some point you've got to be able to push that aside and stop doing that. And when is that going to happen? This is he's what his rookie year was 2014. So this is what 10 years now. At some point, like you've got to be able to say, like, yeah, there's a times I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to push too hard. But when you do it repeatedly, like he's doing, like that, that's where it gets like, if he's supposed to be this all time great, you got to stop that. Well, again, if this, I think if this was a race he needed to win and he threw away his championship four spot. By hitting the sand barrels, you're like, oh, that's. But we've seen that Texas, like he threw away, he race he needed to win or could have, you know, win. Well, that was air that sucked him around. Basically. Well, I mean, yeah. but there's, I mean, but it's not. This but he's he's in the final four, so no, we, I mean that's you know. the thing. Like in the grand scheme, it, again, it doesn't matter. But this is a pattern, though, you know. And so that, that you look at the bigger picture, this is something that just keeps happening. Well, it, it happened to him at the Roval last year that took himself out of the playoffs and stuff like that. I, I mean, but look, I mean. Again, it, to me, it, it keeps things interesting. You, oh, yeah, you for know, sure. That's you know. better for us. Um, so then after that whole business, right, like you're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen now. Like is is, is Blaney going to win this race? I mean, because the way that the caution came out, Truex was trapped a lap down. I'd take the wave around, a couple others. Um, so some people were able to make their pit stops. And you're like, okay, well, maybe it's going to be Blaney, maybe Denny. Eventually there's a restart where – Denny takes the bottom, Blaine takes the top, and they race the absolute crap out of each other. Both they, of them. They did, yeah. They race the absolute crap out of each other and get passed by two cars, Byron and Bell. Mm -hmm. And they were so, you know, I think Denny was trying to take Blaney's air. Blaney was obviously getting very frustrated and it upset. It looked like Blaney was almost getting squeezed. Like Denny was almost trying to, I wouldn't say trying, but like, he was kind of moving up the track and it looked like Blaney was going to get squeezed in the wall. There's a few times there it looked like, well, that. I mean, this, I, I think this and, is, that's sort of the arrow game that every, yeah. all those guys are trying to play on a late restart. They're trying, you know, Denny, we see it all the time. You try to take people's airway, take their, you oh, know, yeah. I, mean, I'm not begr I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, obviously Blaney did not like that. And, but, um, after they could both get past they're racing for third and fourth, I think there was like 32 laps to go. Suddenly it looked like, I thought it was a tire going down or something that, that put Denny in the wall. Um, something broke, I guess. And then after the race, I went and talked to Chris Gabehart. He said they, he's a theory on what might be broken, but he's not ready to say it publicly. He also said like the toe wasn't bent. So it, it wasn't, um, you know, something where like he didn't think it was something from Denny slamming the wall. Um, and, and that was what broke whatever happened, whether it something in the steering, whatever. He think it, it could have been from rubbing the wall, but he said that would, have, that would be very weird because they haven't really seen that in this car because you rub a lot with this car and you yeah. rub with different tracks, Darlington and stuff like that. And, it's, and it's helped, they've seen it hold up just fine. So he's not really sure why that would happen, but essentially, you know, he's like, look, I mean, this is racing, right? Like, you know, when there's all the, you know, your, your mechanical parts on your car and everybody else's car, um, that's why it's, it's not so straightforward at times. And, and it, it seemed like their year all year long He's my championship pick throughout the whole playoffs. I haven't seen anything to think otherwise. And suddenly just like that, you go into the final race of this round. He's down 17 points mm -hmm. just like that. So wh where does this leave Denny at this point? 17 points is not insurmountable. You can go there. He, I mean, he's very capable of winning both of those stages. And, you know, it's 20 points right there. And then depending upon what Blaney does and Reddick, you could theoretically vault in. I, I don't think it's – he could conceivably point his way in still. Like, it's not a must-win situation, but you need stage points. And the fact that you're going to Martinsville, that, that inspires confidence that you can go there and do that. But this is tough because, go back to my earlier point – 
you've got the regular season champion and you've got the guy who was, you know, neck and neck with him for most of the, re- you know, the regular season as well. And for most of the playoffs, that 11 team seemed like it had gone into a, a different level and they were really clicking. And even when they were having some issues, they were overcoming them. And this was the first time really they couldn't overcome it. And unfortunately for them, they've got a 17 point deficit, but I, I, I don't think it's, it's not dire by any means. This isn't like a Chris Buescher situation where you're buried in points and your only chances to, to win. And by the way, you know, and you're going to a racetrack, you struggle at like everything is setting up for them to, to do something special at Martinsville. And it's not inconceivable that they could. We're doing this live on YouTube right now for those listening. And Jarrett, the iceberg, the YouTuber is on our channel in the comments. And he says, to be fair, Blaney was 17 points out entering today. Yeah. And now he's 10 up. Yeah. So, you got a lot of help. You need, I mean, you, that, and that's Blaney getting help. Like Blaney got a lot of help in that, no doubt. But I don't even think, Blaine, you know, Hamlin doesn't even need a lot of help. Like he can go there, win both stages, and if Blaney finishes 10th in both stages, that's deficit right there. And, and, and the other thing we talked about Tyler Reddick a little bit, I feel like we're overlooking him a little bit, but I feel like he kind of shot his shot. Like he had an opportunity at Vegas and here, and that was where he was going to have to make his mark. Now, he can go there and win next week. We saw last year with Bell. It just seems like that's going to be a tall task for that team. So I really feel like it's Truex, Hamlin, Blaney, those three for one spot. Yeah, and I, I talked to Reddick after the race today, and he was just sort of like a down about, you know, they, they he just felt like they they were they were hoping for, for something better today. Yeah. And they just, he said on restarts, he absolutely got killed, and that's what really, really hurt him, um, especially late there. They... Um, he just said he didn't know what it was, if it was the car, if it was him, but something wasn't going right, and, and the research really hurt them. And they're in, they're in a tough spot now. Uh, yeah, going to Martinsville against, like you said, three drivers who have done very well there. It's it's going to be very difficult. Um, but last year, Bell went there and, and won the race. nobody we, thought yeah. Bell was going to win that race. Yeah. You know, I to me, if I'm the 11, yes, it's 17 points, and, and you laid out a case for why you know, you could point your way back in. And I'm not saying you wouldn't try to do that if the opportunity was there, but don't you almost have to go there and be like, let's just, let's oh, just yeah. go win. And, and don't have to worry about anything else. I mean, let, let's just go on kill and, and absolutely go for it. And if, you know, if somehow people f- have trouble and the points shake out, okay, then fine. You know, we will try to do what we can, but I don't want a points race at Martinsville. If I'm Denny, I don't want a points race knowing what happened at the end on the last lap last year. Two years ago, remember? Him and uh, Bowman. Well, sure. But I was thinking more like the hell no. Yeah, yeah, I mean that too. I'm just saying like, you know, traditionally, like he's two years in a row, he's been in position to have, you know, success and it's been taken away by things outside of his doing. So, you know, and and honestly, I mean, Truex at this point too. I mean, yes, I know he's tied with Denny and it's the same situation, but... And yes, you say to them today, okay, it was a blown engine that took them out. But they they qualified on the pole today. This mm-hmm. should be a really good track for them. Mm-hmm. And they just they just sort of slowly kept going backwards, even before their engine deal. Like, wasn't he toward the back half of the top ten? Yeah, he that? was in the back half of the top ten. Pit stops killed him. Like it yeah. wasn't a Truex thing. This wasn't a car thing per se. I mean, the car wasn't, I don't think it was a winning car, but it was a top five car. And they just got killed in pit road repeatedly where Truex was frustration level just kept going up and up. And you tweeted a quote from him yeah. that was like, I am not doing this yeah, I'm anymore done. or something. And that was on the pit stop right before he got trapped left down with the, uh, the Denny caution. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They were just slow. I mean, they just had bad pit stops after bad pit stop and it was killing them. Or no, no, not the Denny caution, the Larson yeah. caution. Cause and he, at the same time as the Denny caution, he was when he blew yeah. up, but yeah. And so it's just, it was frustrating because this was, yeah. Were they going to win today? Probably not, but they were getting stage points and they were having a clean uneventful race, which I don't think they've had so far in the playoffs. Like we're, you know, it's still like, I remember, Going into stage three, he was below the cut line. Yeah. So, like, they still weren't doing enough. But to... that was because Blaney was, had won the stage, though, and taken 10 points. And so, like, there was other things going on. They weren't, like, exceptional by any means, but they were having a more normal-esque day than, than having running 17th and their cars having broken parts underneath yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Or, I mean, so... But was... still, I wasn't... I guess what I'm saying is 
I wasn't looking at them going, oh yeah, that's. Oh that's no, they weren't. It wasn't a you know retro like oh okay that's There's the, the regular team. season yeah. champ. There, it wasn't like the feeling you had on Saturday after you won the poll. On you're like okay, yeah. this is the team. The champ is back here, right? The champ right. is here. It wasn't that. So we'll see. I mean, maybe it comes back at Martinsville. Maybe they find their mojo again. But that team is. I mean, but here's what I'm saying though. Do you if you're if you're the 19? And again, I know that I just said. One I'm strategy 19, I'm for going the eleven. Drink is that you just, I mean, <laughs> but you're not you're not going there going. Let's point our way back no, in, right? No, you 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 got to go for the win at this point. Like, just because the way their playoffs have gone, I don't see, any, I don't see how anything could go right enough for them. No, to where you're like, oh yeah, we just no. pointed our way into the final four no. after being down 17 points and we beat our teammate and we are. It's Ryan been Blaney so and crazy Reddick. and so bad. Like they're due for a break and now it's going to spin for them. I guess that's possible. But they walked under fit the narrative very well. No, I mean, they walked underneath a ladder in front of a black cat, you know, and stepped on a broken mirror. I mean, it's been that kind of playoff for them. Yeah, pretty wild. Um, Truex is, I mean, Truex, I mean, it's, I mean, he didn't talk to media. I mean, he's blew off the media and that's, you know, whatever. He's frustrated. Like he is, and you don't blame him. I mean, you had this great regular season. It feels like you're peaking and then it's just gone to hell in a handbasket. Some of it's out of your control, but a lot of it's been in their control as well. Yeah, pretty crazy. Well, <clears throat> let's talk about um, well somebody that had a bad day. Also, by the way, Chris Busher. Oof! Yikes! He actually he had a great tweet um, or X post, whatever, where he um, he took a screenshot of his uh, post from this morning. It was like today is going to be a great day, <laughs> and then he deleted it and screenshotted the this tweet has been deleted. Okay, and he That's posted good. that screenshot. Of, and that was all that's no, clever you know that's very clever um yeah they just, they were they were just completely out to long i mean they which which is weird about that though because as bad as they were brad was good. brad his teammate was top three today at, and they at usually one, run the same they're much. usually been pretty they, they, so through the summer you'd be like they'd be right next to each other yeah and, and so it was like how could he be so bad and the six be so good it was oh well, last week too we're like man Wish they bet they wish they could switch spots with Keselowski because he's yeah. running well. I mean, that's it's weird how it's flip flopped, but it is. I mean, I did that thing for the athletic, you know, going in the, in the round three and talked to people in the garage, and a lot of people said it like this team just felt like it peaked too soon. Now you can't really control when you hit on something, but they, whatever mojo they were riding in uh, July and August when they won three races, it's it's slowly subsided and it's gone completely now. And now they're going to a racetrack where. I mean, Bellatos last year don't run anybody off, but it just feels like they're they're done. Well, I mean, he did win in a short track. Sure, he won at Bristol, but I just well, he won Richmond. He won Richmond too. Um, it just it just feels like that is it's gonna be a tall task. Yeah, I mean, I like you said the Bell thing last year. I'm I'm hesitant to be like, nah, I don't really see this because I, I I wouldn't have seen that coming. No, so but you, you just I'm playing the odds here. Yeah. So. Right. Can I just mention too? Mm-hmm. I picked Christopher Bell as my champion. You you did say that, yes. Yeah. So speaking of Bell, and and um, you know, we talked about it with him briefly, but and and I think this is a fair narrative, by the way. But he 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 appears to appears to be a clutch performer, right? Because he wins two elimination races mm-hmm. last year to get himself into the final four. He hadn't won on a pavement track all year this year. Because he just mm-hmm. won the dirt race. And now, of all times to do it, he gets it done in an absolutely crucial moment with Blaney chasing him down. Um, you know, yes, his his argument is if you have a good car, it, you you run good. If you have a bad car, you don't run bad. And he said, you know, you could see that in the same same race, right? But still, as you point out to him, to execute in those moments... Yeah, you can have you can have mm-hmm. the car, but to execute, I think what he's sort of overlooking is, you could put me in that situation. I would crumble. Oh yeah, like I've seen a, you try. I've seen you in hand, trying to handle pressure before. It's not good. You get snarky. That was a little bit more than I set myself up. for. You get there. snarky. What I really think about is like, and if anybody listened to my twelve questions last week with <laughs> Daniel Suarez, I mentioned this to him too. Let's like. If I play mini golf with my friends, I could be pretty much kicking ass, right? Mm-hmm. Like for most of it. And if they're close in the final two holes, final few holes or whatever, yeah. 
I will fold. So I don't have the, you don't have the clutch gene. I don't have the champ. I don't have the mentality to do what it takes You're to weak. not let the pressure get to me, to not let the nerves to, to keep doing what I'm doing to block that out. I, I You're weak mentally. Sure. <laughs> In sports. No, I, I, I think, but that, that is, that is yeah. something that is extremely hard to do. And you're performing at the top level when all the pressure is on you. And and look, I've seen this guy do this in the Chili Bowl. And, and people go, oh, well, Chili Bowl, whatever. The Chili Bowl, he's from Oklahoma. It means the world to him. He's had Larson chasing him down at the Chili Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he executes flawlessly. And, and it's no different than what we've seen on a road course in that situation last yeah. year at Martinsville. Yep. It would be yes, he has a good car, but it would be also be very easy to crumble. And, yeah, and that's and that's the key point. And I'm kidding about weak, me weak mentally. You handle pressure great, and so it to me it's he, he's right. You do, you do, you're fine. You, you do get snarky though. Anyway, um, you look at those three tracks though, right? You look at the Roval, you look at Martinsville, and you look at here. It is really, really easy to make a mistake and do something that that ruins your day. Those are quote unquote driver tracks, right? And so, yes, you need a great car and you need to have, you know, you need to be put in that position. But when you're pushing it in the final laps and you got Ryan Blaney coming hard after you and he's better on long runs than you in here, it is really, really easy. How many guys have we seen get into the wall, like push too hard and make a mistake on old tires? It is so easy to unflappable. Didn't make a mistake. Didn't turn a bad wheel. Right. Las Vegas. Same kind of thing unflappable over the closing laps, handled it really well, and gave Larson a run for his money. You go back a year ago, Roval came through. You, we've seen so many guys overcook it and spin out and go into turn one and lose it on the backstretch on the chicane, wherever. No problems. Comes through. Martinsville, it's, you know, that's as hard as it is. It takes guys a long time to figure that place out. And here's this young kid in his, what, fourth year, third year last year, and, like, doesn't make a mistake and comes through. Like, that that says something about him. Yeah, he can. I'll give all the credit he wants to the car, and he's right. You need a good car, and you need a good everything. But he still had to do it. Pressure changes a lot of things with people, right? You can tell. There's, we how many races have we seen over the years where you're the crew chief saying, "Just put pressure on that guy and yep. see if oh yeah, see what happens. There's, see if he can make him mis- make a mistake." There right? are guys. I mean, let's be honest. There are guys in this garage we know of, and people talk about like you know if you put pressure on him in a situation, he's more than likely going to hit the wall. Yeah. Like there are, we can run through the examples. There are a lot of guys like that. So, but I, I feel like, like Kenseth, for instance, was always very steady. Sure. Right. Like you, you could put a ton of pressure on Kenseth and he wouldn't make a mistake. Mm -hmm. He would just hold a perfect wheel. Right. And now in that same 20 car, um, you know, some of the same sponsors at times, um, you're seeing, you're seeing bell do similar things, I think. And, and, that is somebody where if you if you get him and, and again he said he he's got to have a very small window to get it right where he wants it. But if you can get him that and get him out front at Phoenix and put the pressure on him late, I feel like I have the, I would have the confidence in him that he's going to execute. He's not going to throw it away. I agree. You know. So and and I think what he's twenty nine years old. Twenty eight. 28 yep. he's a little bit older than people think like people think he's a, a so much of a total young guy like byron age or something where he did get to start a little bit later mm-hmm. um but even being 28 i mean you know he's got 15 at least good years left probably and this guy is just sort of now sort of almost just scratching the surface of what he can do and what he can show um, I mean, today was his first mile and a half win. Mm-hmm. Um, only six career wins, right? So, you know, this is a guy that could be really dangerous for a really long time. And it's why Coach Gibbs said, you know, what do you say? We could put a saddle on this guy and ride him for the next 20 years. That's what she said. <laughs> I mean, that is that is a quote from Joe Gibbs from the press conference. But uh, but I understand what he's saying. I mean, that's their, that could be their horse. Anybody. That can be their horse. Now he's a, he's got another great horse in Ty Gibbs, who is super talented. You know, once you get that guy at, at Bell's level, um, that's why they made. That's why it was. I'm not going to say it was easy, but when you're going through last year and you got to figure out the Kyle Busch situation, and you know whether to move on or not, 
that is why it's a little easier to make that decision because you've got a bell who you know is going to be there for 15 years and is a generational talent of the Larson mold. And you've got Ty Gibbs coming up who you believe in and has justified that when you've got those two guys as, as linchpins, like it makes it a little easier. And you also have Hamlin and Truex still there makes it a little easier to say, okay, you know, we can, we can go in that direction. And so I think that is, and can I just give a shout out to Adam Stevens? Like, I think he is so underrated as a crew chief. Like I know, yes, when you have Kyle Busch as your driver, it makes, you know, you look, you look like a genius sometimes, but fact is, is Kyle Busch didn't win championship until Adam Stevens got there and they won too. And until last year, he was the only active crew chief with multiple titles. And then Paul Wolf joined the fold. He is really good at shaping drivers and getting them to focus. And even today, like when Bell gets snipey, like, you know, some crew chiefs go back and forth. They can't help themselves. Steven's just chill, you know, lets it, you know, it's like, we're going to focus here. I'm going to get the car better and, you know, forget everything else. He doesn't hold grudges. He just gets to work. He is such a good crew chief, especially for a young driver like that. You know, Bell apologized after the race because he says, you know, you, you would ask him about the interaction on the radio. But, you know, he was probably, what, half a straightaway from getting lapped. And, you know, Adam Stevens says, hey, bud, we got to do everything we can here to stay on the lead lap or whatever. And he's like, okay, I'll start trying now. Yeah. You know, it's that one wasn't of, really like a Kyle Busch type. Uh, no, thing. no. And when you've dealt with Kyle Busch, I think you just kind of. And also like the the thing is, you know, tight, 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 tight. Like that's, <laughs> come on. Like it's, it's not. It's I mean, not I, I like Bell's little, um, you know, snippiness coming through on, on the radio times. Like the, from the clash, like the, this is fun. We're having fun. <laughs> you know, like. I like, you know, the, the little insight, the little peeks behind people's real personalities that we get at times or, you know, in moments of frustration, right? Yeah. Like that's, I, I don't know. I think that's, it's good for memes. It's good for all sorts of stuff. It's good for so. us because I'm talking about, but it's good that you have a crew chief though, because there are crew chiefs out there and we hear it every week who in those situations, they, it's almost like they decide to argue with their drivers and it's like, that's a, that's you got to have pretty thick skin, I would think. Yeah. Right? But Adam is yeah. good about that. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, speaking of Adam Stevens, um, the last time I was here was 2019 uh, here at Homestead. And uh, the winning crew chief sitting on the stage that night was also Adam Stevens as Kyle Busch had won his second championship. Um, I hadn't been back here since that was the last championship race here at Homestead. So I was really curious about how this was all going to feel and what I was going to think of Homestead again, man. Uh, number one, I absolutely miss this place cause I, I freaking love this track. And honestly, I feel like it's even better position now to be a championship race than it was before. Like I was worried that I was going to come back and be like, yeah, this just sort of has like the ghosts and the echoes of championships past. And it's going to kind of look like it needs a refresher and stuff. But I think they've number one, kept the place up pretty well. Mm -hmm. They put, you know, there's some new paint on it and stuff like that. Done a good job of keeping it. Yep. They've, I don't know exactly when they did that whole beach thing. Did you see that? Yeah, I have seen it. I've actually not been down there, but I've seen photos and stuff. Yeah. I don't remember that from yeah, last time. I think that's I, relatively no, new. I thought it was like it? 19. I thought 19 was the first year they did it or something okay. like that. Because Chasm well, went out there and like almost sank. You can see it from the press box. And oh, um, I was kind of surprised there weren't more people out there. Because I'm like, and, and we had run into Frank Kelleher, um, the Daytona International Speedway president earlier, um, you know, walking out to the tweet up. And I didn't realize like the beach is part of like a, a GA ticket, I yep, think. Yeah, as we said. And like, I was, I don't think enough people know that you can go out there and go to the infield and chill before the race or during the race on like a real sand beach that goes up to water in the middle of the infield. Um, first was 2019, by the way, that was the when beach. the beach yep. opened. Yep. Okay. So, and so I feel like now if you had the championship, 
you know, with even bigger crowd, you get more of a party crowd out there chilling on the beach, having a good time, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like <laughs> that, that's good. And, um, you know, this is a place where you, you stopped on the way to the tweet up today. They, they do a really good job with like lots of local cuisine here. Local Those food trucks. Are ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Like it's, it's true. Like South Florida, Miami yeah. feel when you're walking around the fan zone, all sorts. I mean, it's not like just like the generic, okay. Burgers, hot dogs, pizza, whatever. No. Like it's all sorts of different stuff. Yeah, tacos and churros, ice cream. Yeah. Um, yeah. All sorts of good stuff. Those steaks on a stick. Right. And like, so, I mean, you know, I, I the, the place looks good. The track race is phenomenal. Um, you know, the next gen car obviously is even better on mile and a half than, than it was in 2019. The weather's spectacular. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, there's so many things that check the box here and it just makes you keep going. Why is the championship not here? Why is it at Phoenix? I, I mean, look, Phoenix has had a great facelift and they did a great job with their new fan zone. And yes, the weather's nice there as well. But to me still, I feel like this is, this should be the championship track. This is, this place is freaking magic. And especially when you, you know, we're out on the front stretch today before we walked across and I'm like, you know, there's where Keselowski got drunk. You know, he was over here on this part. And I remember, you know, Tony, the, after the Tony and Carl thing, uh, Jimmy, you know, they, they all had their, their goggles that they brought out for the, the champagne toast and all that stuff. And, and you're just like, man, all these great moments here uh, of celebration. And it's just, it's like the perfect track. I just, let's just have this be the thing. Like, not mess with the good thing. You know, I, I guess there's maybe some movement at some point to move it, to rotate the championship. Yeah. That I guess I would be fine with that if this was part of it, but I still feel like what, what is the argument against just having this as the place every year? It's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This wasn't broke. No, uh, someone today at the tweet up made a really great comparison and I don't remember their name who said it. This is the new Darlington because remember Darlington for a long time, it was like you really, it was a driver's track. You'd be really, really careful about getting into the wall and it rewarded guys who could run the wall at a hot, in a way. It's not that same way at Darlington anymore. It's kind of evolved where you can kind of run up there, not bang off the wall all the time. Here though, it is an art. It is a skill. It is a noticeable, tangible skill that you can see. Some guys got it, some guys don't. And you have to pick and choose your spots. And this is the perfect driver's track. And so it is like an old school Darlington. And it's everything you want. And then the weather. And then all of those boxes. It's like this the is... The tire wear, the multiple was, grooves. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just... It really is perfect. I mean, it is perfect. Now, I, I love it. I love it. Let's be honest, though. Like, Phoenix has done a really good job with attendance and getting people out to the racetrack. And I, I love as much as we love this place, as much as the entire garage love this place, for whatever reason, and I don't know the answer. Like I, I, I think it's because it's a lot of it's because the market's tough. They, it was not always easy to sell tickets here. Let's just be honest. Yeah, and, championship races didn't sell out always. I mean, I mean, they and it usually was announced sell out the day of, right? Whereas Phoenix, it's usually days before. You know, well, yeah, way before. Yeah, so days. that's yeah. the point. So as much as we love it, you have to have. You have to get that love back. And so, I mean, this at the end of the day, it's, it is a dollars and cents sport. I get it. Do I think it's going to come back here? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think it's going to be part of a rotation, you know. But you have to support it, though. You have to. I, and I didn't get a chance to see the crowd today, so I can't speak to that. Uh, hopefully it was good. But you, you, if, if everybody sits there and talks about how much this is a great track and they love coming here and et cetera, et cetera, great. Then freaking buy a ticket and come out here and support it. Because that's how you get the championship back here, and that's how you keep the championship here. Well, first of all, we had heard that the attendance was supposed to be pretty bad going into the weekend, and then um, I think that they must have had a great walk up today. And there was even some people to tweet up who had come mm-hmm. at the last minute and didn't have tickets yet, and they were going to go by. They they made a last deci- minute decision to come. And but I mean, when I did a show of hands at the tweet up and said, who is here from like out of state, not within driving distance, it was probably 75, 80%. I mean, it was still that crowd. So I think to your point, like this is a very tough local market, right? Like the Miami area trying to sell NASCAR and then come out of the city, come down here 30, 40 minutes. It, you just, there's not a ton of people to draw from, um, 
and and it's it's just so it's it's literally in the corner of a country the country right it's not an easy race for a lot of people to drive to so you have to make a decision to fly to it as a destination race as a championship you could say all right we're going to go to the championship it's going to be early november it'll be great weather we're going to see a championship this is hey it's a playoff race and it's you know yeah it's it's nice but people still aren't they haven't really gotten the true cold weather yet. They're not looking for the mm-hmm. true escape yet. You also had a race where I did just, talk to some Connecticut fans. They were it was a little chilly up there, and they were glad to be down here. Understood, understandable. You just also had a race just last week that was also yeah. a destination race in yep. in Vegas. So, you know, if people are going to say, "All right, well, you know, I'm going to spend money on this. Um, this is where I'm going to go," and and also Phoenix is sort of a destination race as it is now. So, no, it is because, you know, like. I, I was talking to Kansas Kim. She's a big uh, Brad Kozlowski fan. She this was her last race of the year. Um, she lives in Kansas, obviously, really near the track. Thank you. That's why she's called Kansas Kim. Well, I appreciate yes. that. Thank you. She came down to this. Um, I think she said she'd never been to Homestead before, and she chose this over Phoenix. So when you're looking at me and saying, "Well, I don't know if Phoenix is really a destination race," um, I guess I just think there's more to do here than Phoenix. But I don't hike, so. But that's a place that people fly to. Yeah. You don't have to hike in Phoenix. There's well, people got to go hiking and stuff. What does it do in Phoenix? Golf and. By the way, quick story, guys. Oh God. So last night, after Xfinity race, I'm like, you know what? Let's enjoy. I'm gonna enjoy that. We're 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 in Florida. We're in South Florida. It's beautiful. I'm thinking about going to this um, place on South Beach. That's sort of like this bar. It's like it's not like a normal South beach place, kind of on the other side, the more residential side. And, uh, so I invite Jordan. No, he doesn't want to go. So then I think, all right, well, I don't really want to do something by myself. So Jordan loves college football, loves college football way more than, I mean, talks, he loves, seems like watch every game. So I'm like, I wonder if Miami's playing tonight. So I look up and I see, Oh, Clemson's playing at Miami. The game's not starting for an hour and a half. And I look up StubHub. tickets are six bucks. There's nobody there. And so I messaged Jordan. I go, hey, let's go to the let's go to the game. No, he says he doesn't want to go. And then he says, I don't really like going to live sporting events. I don't like going to live sporting events. I don't. Where are we? Well, this is my job. I have to. You go. You go to live sporting events every week. So for somebody that, if you didn't like going to live sporting events, why would you? Have a job where you go to live sporting events. What do you have against live I sporting events? I love sports. Events? You can do, it's not mutually exclusive. I don't like live sporting events because of the time commitment. Okay, so if you go to, let's just use NFL as an, or college football as an example. Let's say it's a noon kickoff, which means you probably got to get there like 10, 1030, right? Get there, time you park, get it through everything, get to your seat, right? And then, so that's an hour and a half before the game. And then the game itself is a three, three and a half hour game. Then you got to get out of there. That's an hour. Okay, that's, that's a huge chunk of the day. And then not to mention, if I'm sitting there at the game, you actually don't really see as much as you would sitting at home. You miss things. So you don't have, unless you have like something, you know, radio or TV in your ear or something like that, you're missing things. Your sight lines are not great. If I got to get up and go to the restroom or I want to get some food, I'm, that's, gonna, that's never an easy thing. You got to climb over people. By the way, the seats are tight. You got to wait in the lines. You're missing a huge chunk of the action. Okay, that sucks. Also, there's other games, other great games going on at the same time. I'm not able to enjoy those as well. Conversely, if I'm home, I don't have to worry about showing up early, staying late, fighting crowds, paying all of the money for tickets, parking, food, all of that stuff. Commercial break. Guess what? I can run to the restroom. Boom. I can grab a snack on my way back. I'm not missing anything. All of the things that are going on, the, the field, the injuries, the the play calls, everything else, I can see it all up close. I'm hearing it all happen. Boom. Oh, uh, by the way, the other great games are going on. I'm also watching those at the same time because I've got a multi-TV setup. So, yeah, I'm not doing sporting events. Now, do I like to occasionally go to a baseball game and hang out? Absolutely. But that's going out with a good friend of mine, hanging out and having beers on a nice summer night, 100% into that. But like a college football game? No, thank you. And then, by the way, for last night, it's two average football teams. That was by, that wasn't even the best game last night. There was much better games. I'm not going to drive 35 minutes north to go watch two average football teams when I can watch other good games at the same time. No, thank you. I'm good. 
Well, I also, like I said, I also invited you to a sports bar where there's many games on no, TV. No, I was looking. tired, man. I was talking. Like, here's and my rule. Also, you don't chase the night. That's my rule. And I wasn't feeling You don't was, chase the night. And I wasn't feeling it last night. Also, you said you like going to a baseball game with a good friend on a warm summer night and having a beer. It was beautiful weather on a nice I wasn't, summer-ish I slept night. Ter- I, I, didn't, yeah. I slept terrible the night before. I've been sick earlier in the week. I am, you know, I was, I was really, really sick. I'm still kind of coming back from that. Like, you know what? It's, I'm cool. You know what? I'm really glad that all the people we meet at the tweet up every week are not number one, not like you and do like going to live sporting events. Number two, I don't think this applies to NASCAR at all because almost everybody you talk to would say that you get a better view of a NASCAR race when you, yeah. I mean, listen, like hockey is another one you could say, like being at a hockey game is, is the same thing. You know, really, I mean, but you don't have to be zoomed in on the no, two but, cars or zoomed in on the yeah. No, camera. I would. I mean, I agree with that the only thing with I mean, let's be frank, sitting on the NASCAR race that I wouldn't like. I don't want to sit in the grandstand for three hours and bake. You know, and bake. Yeah, bake underneath the sun. Well, that's why I think. I mean, speaking of the crowd today, if like, I'm going to a NASCAR race. I'm sitting in a suite. <laughs> that's it. I mean, I'm sitting there in a suite, oh, air conditioning. Oh my having, god! What? How spoiled are you? You well. We think we know the answer to that question. Oh my god! Extremely spoiled. Why is it? I've got I've got standards, Jeff. Sitting in a suite, what kind of with what money? How are you going to buy a suite? Not, I can talk my way into anything. Oh, that I believe. Oh, anyway, um, sorry we got sidetracked there, but so speaking of the crowd, though, um, I think a lot of people like to your point. I saw the stands from my view; they were pretty. I mean, I thought I thought. Again, I thought it was going to be a big crowd. I, I thought they were pretty full to start. And then by the end of stage one, end of stage two, you see a lot of people starting to go under the stands mm-hmm. for some shade um, for the food we talked about. And by the time I went down uh, to cross back under the tunnel and go over, there was tons of people under yeah. the stands. I mean, just taking breaks, stuff like it's, that. So it, it is a, you know, you have to be hardy. You have to love it to do it. And you obviously don't. Love the uh, the live sporting experience, but not baking in the sun. Look at your face. Yeah, Look at I, your face if you're on YouTube right now. You can see this guy got more color today than yeah, you I would a, get if I, you went I to, had a to do spray my tan jo- I had booth. A, <laughs> had a job to do. Well, I had to be outside. Have you ever today. heard of sunblock or no? I, I do need to. Well, no, I don't want. I had a good hair day today. I don't want to ruin my hair. Oh, I see. Okay. By the way, people have been asking about your shoes. I posted a picture this morning of these white shoes. They want to know how they how these shoes that you pack in a suitcase full of shoes, how they held up today. Yeah, they held up good. Well, they, they seem to be dirty. A little bit dirty. You go home and clean them up. They'll be all right. They seem to have black all over them. Yeah, that, that cleans off easy. It's all good. Okay. Yeah, I do. Maybe you sh- should wear like more hardy shoes for a racetrack instead of white loafers. No, because no, then I would dress like you and I don't want to dress like you. Well, uh, Daytona will be after everybody votes yeah. us in the 90% so club. I have what I like to refer to as style. I, I'm known for that and it works for me and I get a lot of compliments and it's opened a lot of doors and yeah. Okay. Well, I wore a flamingo shirt today yeah, and I think that, yeah. you know. Dad Miami. Okay. I think it's better than your, <laughs> no. I think my drip's better than your drip today. No, so. not a chance. And I got this at Target as well. <laughs> this I had a crew chief walk up to me today and ask me where I got my pants. Well, good for you. You'll be wearing Target pants pretty soon enough, everybody. Um, well, anything else before? I mean, no. I, gosh, I wasn't thinking I was going to be able to see you until Martinsville. Now we get a, this bonus yeah. week here. And we'll be back together at Martinsville next weekend and Phoenix. So, um, yeah, any, any final thoughts, I guess, for Love Homestead? You know what I love about this? One race makes it feel special. And I think that we've lost that in this conversation is you go to Phoenix twice a year, you go to a lot of these other tracks. And when you come here, though, it's like the one time of the year. And even if it's just an okay race, it still feels special because it's the one time of the year to come here. And I think scarcity is a good thing. No, I I mean, it makes you absence makes the heart grow fonder. And uh, I definitely love this place. So, yeah, let's hope it doesn't turn into houses. 10 years and let's hope that the championship's back here and let's hope that it just has a long successful history because I would hate to, man, you thought I was sad about Fontana. Oh, oh man. I would be so heartbroken if this place ever, if they were like, yeah, you know what? It's too valuable. It's so, oh my gosh. I mean, we had this conversation the other day and you're right though. I mean, you start, we're, there's a lot of tracks closing. Like we're not talking just short tracks. We're talking like bigger NASCAR tracks and they ain't building more, man. 
and there's no plans to build more. I mean, Fontana maybe is the exception, but that's already built. Like they're not. You start closing these places, you're starting to run out of, out of options, and so yeah, it's it's worrisome for sure. Yeah, no, I know. All right, everybody. Well, um, I guess we'll wrap up there. It's um, fun. Hopefully, we'll have another. I mean, I'm skeptical about the short track package, but we were skeptical last year, and then we got a hail melon out of say, it. I think I, I just think at the end of the day, the the what the stakes are overrides that, and it's good. it's going to override good decision making. <laughs> well, and also it's going to put a uh, a whole mask on the race. Yeah, even if the race isn't good for the lead. You're going to have so much, so yeah. many point scenarios going on yeah, and all this stuff. And can Denny get back up there? Can Martin do something? What's red? Is Reddit going to pop up? Guys get desperate. You know, Blaney. Too. Oh no, he's, he's down. Um, yeah. and somebody's so. going to have an issue on pit road or somebody's going to back and then they're going to have to get desperate and then they're probably going to have to move. The only way you're going to pass somebody is to basically slam into them going into the corner. You can't just nudge them. Like you have to like slam into them and hell, all hell's going to break loose and team chaos is going to be happy. Everybody, thanks as always for listening, and we will talk to you next time on the Teardown. Cheers, everybody.